You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Timberwolves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, your host here, Colt Molesky, bringing you daily Timberwolves content. Make sure to check out the Locked On Timberwolves fan rag site as well in case you wanted to check out the written content we have on there or go back and check out past episodes. You can do that there as well. Make sure to also check out the Locked On Network site on fan rag. They have all kinds of podcasts and and uh, written work from the other hosts around the, the Locked On Podcast Network. Go check it out. Good stuff. Today, uh, we have on Matt Bishop. We we have on Matt Bishop. Really, we should have a, a better show planned out. We have to cover a, an awful Grizzlies game that the Timberwolves just presented last night. I wish it could be under better circumstances, but Bishop is a KROX radio host and on-air talent. He also does play-by-play for uh, the UM Crookston. Bishop, thanks for coming on. We've been talking basketball for many years, and I'm I'm so happy we can do it on the airwaves now. Yeah, it's, uh, we've come a long way from you and I riding around in my 1998 Ford Windstar, and <laughs> me dropping you off after late night Applebee's runs and talking about sports in the car. So, yeah, we've uh, we've graduated a bit to to what we're doing right now. Exactly, and as as much of a chick magnet that that Windstar was, <laughs> uh, we we have uh, moved on to actual studios and to better, bigger and better things. Uh, it appears that the Timberwolves have not, though. We're going to cover the Timberwolves' loss to the Grizzlies. That's right, they lost to the Grizzlies, as well as kind of what that means for the playoff picture for them. We're also going to cover some big NBA news. Marco Fultz was back in the 76ers lineup. We're going to finish the episode with that and just some takeaways from, from that big moment in the NBA. But first... Uh, a big loss for the Timberwolves, 101-93. The Memphis Grizzlies beat them at home. That is the first road win the Grizzlies have recorded in 2018, and they beat the Timberwolves by eight. 13 lead changes in this one. They're battling back and forth. I can't believe I'm saying any of this because the Grizzlies are a 20-win team after beating the Timberwolves the other night. What's your reaction watching this game, Bishop? Well, it's, it's interesting because I remember – uh, last night in the opening minutes of the broadcast, Fox Sports North, you know, they were talking about how the Wolves had brought up with the Iowa Wolves season over. They were talking about how the Wolves had brought up, you know, uh, Justin Patton and, and Anthony Brown and Emil Jefferson and guys uh, to have on the bench. And they are like, oh, this will be a great opportunity to, you know, hopefully put this game away early and then uh, get those guys some minutes in front of the, in front of the home crowd and, and this and that. And I'm like, oh, let's not get ahead of ourselves when Marcus Gasol had his first, like, three shots and Wolves found themselves trailing 10 to 4 or, or whatever like that. But, uh, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where from, from the outset, you just didn't have a good feeling about it. The Wolves' offense looked really stagnant. Uh, they didn't seem aggressive enough, and then, the Grizzlies were just hitting shots. I mean, they shot, you know, over 50% from the field, and uh, they just kept kept hanging around. And when you're a team like the Timberwolves and you need to win a game like that, and you're playing a team like the Grizzlies, who going into last night were 1-22 in, in their past 23 games, um, you just 
you can't let a team like that hang around because the Timberwolves haven't shown this year that they're able to just, you know, put the put the foot on the throat and, and put teams away. So it was just a weird feeling from the beginning, and I just I didn't feel good about the game at all. And sure enough, uh, when it got late, and you know, I wasn't too surprised that the uh, that the Wolves lost because of how the game started. So just a just you know, it was, it was a tough one to stomach and. I, I, I tweeted last night that, you know, usually I have a, you know, this loss sucks, but at least blank, you know, dot, dot, dot. I just, I didn't have anything last night that, uh, that I could add to the end of that sentence. And uh, now you, you're looking at the Wolves in eighth, and they didn't, you know, Denver lost last night, so that was nice, but the Wolves didn't take advantage of it. So it's, you know, playoff teams don't do what the Wolves did last night. And that's what scares me about the remaining, what, seven games of this season. No, you're absolutely right. They they take care of business, especially at home against a bad team. Uh, it really, the offense kind of carried over from the 76ers game where it looked a little stagnant and, and nobody really could really get going in that one kind of seemed to carry over I know Teague had 25 points but you really need to see him maybe get grab a few more assists uh, than seven and facilitate a little more and not get into the mode where he thinks he has to win it on his own because it can't be just about Teague Uh, Wiggins had another sort of quiet game 18 points with Butler out is not enough from him Towns 15 and 12 basically the same night as he had against the 76ers before uh and you mentioned it earlier too, how they were hoping that this is a game where you can see maybe guys like Patton and Jefferson, and then you have Teague playing 42 minutes, Wiggins playing 43, and Towns playing 39. I mean, you're running your your starters ragged, uh, trying to get into the playoffs, and then you're going to have your injured star coming back to a, an exhausted line starting lineup, uh, and you're playing bad teams to finish out the year. None of this points to great signs for the Timberwolves. Uh, it made me. Think think of the the Orlando game they lost when Gordon uh when, or excuse me Aaron Gordon was out for the the Orlando Magic and they still dropped that one uh without the guy who's been lighting up for for the Grizzlies Tyreek Evans in the lineup and they still lose this one just really really poor performance from from the Timberwolves uh, is there any silver line? You said you couldn't think of anything last night for the Timberwolves. Is there anything kind of the morning after a silver line that you can think of for the Timberwolves, or is this just really you got to move on from it quickly? Because if you carry this one to the next game, you're really looking at a tough spot for the playoffs. Yeah, that was just more demoralizing. Uh, you know, you you mentioned it. Maybe the only silver lining I can think of is. The fact that, you know, Teague did have 25 points and uh, maybe he's starting to get a little more consistent, but you don't want Jeff Teague to have to score 25 points uh, a night for you, for you to win the game. So that's maybe the only silver lining I can think of. But, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's just John Krasinski from The Athletic mentioned it last night and, you know the you mentioned the Orlando loss. The Wolves have you know they've lost to Orlando. They've lost to Memphis and Phoenix twice uh, each. And 
Uh, they've lost to Atlanta, um, who they better not lose to coming up. Otherwise, all heck will break loose in Minneapolis. But uh, it's uh, you you take those eight losses, I think, to this group of teams that he mentioned. You win just four or five of those games rather than none, and you're in third or fourth in the West. And it's just it's so funny how you know it's an 82 game season. It's such a grind. It's such a haul. But you look at this point of the season, and you're like, man, each game really does, you know, mean a lot. And you can't, whether it's game. 75 or game five like you can't discount a game in this league because you get to this point of the season and you look back and you're like oh if we would have won that one you know things would be a lot different we probably shouldn't have mailed it in or uh or or been fine with the fact that you know things weren't really going our way in that sense but uh man i don't know like giving up 15 threes to the Grizzlies and uh, not getting the production you need from from Cat or, or from Wiggins. Because last night you needed each of those guys to at least go for 20, and neither of them did. So Cat um, still continues, I think, to struggle against veteran, like skilled big guys. I think they just get in his head. I mean, Cat whines like crazy anyway. But <laughs> against... Against players like against players like uh, Paul Gasol and, and not Paul Gasol, Marcus Gasol, and then against Philadelphia against Embiid, um, you know it's those marquee matchups with big guys. Cats, you know, he's one of the top ten big guys in the game, but it seems like he just has those days where when he has to maybe you know saddle up against one of the other premier big guys in this league. He struggles more than he excels, and I think you know he's only he's he's only what twenty one, twenty two years old. But I think as he continues in the league, he'll continue to improve. But uh, you'd like to see in those matchups, Cat kind of come out on top. But lately, it's been more who he's been matching up against that's taken the upper hand, other than him. We're going to head to some sponsors really quickly before we look at kind of the parameters of what this means as far as a playoff picture and what to hopefully expect from the Timberwolves going forward. But first, some sponsors. Like you were saying before, you need all of these wins. You need all of these to the team to come through just because in the playoffs this year, seeding is going to be so important uh, for for the Timberwolves, especially with their, their star coming back from uh, a knee injury. Getting trapped in that 7th, 8th spot it could be catastrophic just as far as if you don't want to see this team get swept in the first round. And not to mention, if Denver somehow uh, runs the table here, they might actually get bounced out of the playoffs. When you're looking at this game, the big takeaway I had, I'm, I'm brushing past I'm brushing past the poor performance from Wiggins and Towns and looking uh, to a point that I made, uh, I think it was against the Clippers, where this team does not have a bench still, and their most vi- viable scorer off the bench, if you don't count Crawford, has been Rose so far this year. He has been the, the guy who has actually proved that he can come off the bench and score some points, and he's been with the team for, what, a couple weeks 
and nobody else has really proven that they that they are willing to come off the bench and score and and get buckets. Uh, you have Gorgie, he's had some good games against the Pelicans. Uh, Tyus Jones, uh, it, obviously everybody knows that he is an asset defensively, but outside of Jamal Crawford, there's not really a guy off the bench I feel super confident about scoring. And even when Bielitsa goes back to the bench, he had zero points in this game. He hasn't. It's not like he's had great offensive performances even when he's gotten the starting minutes. And so if I'm looking at this team coming out of this loss and coming out of the last couple weeks really, the bench is still the most concerning part of this team headed into the playoffs. If you're looking at the playoff picture after this loss, what's maybe the biggest concern for you about the Timberwolves? Uh, I would say probably uh, defense and the bench. And I know we're, it sounds like we're beating a dead horse with talking about the bench, but I mean, you mentioned it. Other than Crawford, who you know he's not—he's never afraid to to get you know shots up and and to to let it fly. But other than that, like you know, Tyus, the best we've seen him offensively is when he started fatigue and he was you know more more aggressive and uh, looking for his shot more. And Tyus passes up more mid-range jump shots than anybody knowing a man when he comes off screen and rolls and he has maybe that 15 footer at the elbow, but, uh, you know, he'll look to defer rather than maybe pull it up if he has some room. And, you know, that's a confidence issue. And when your minutes are so sporadic, like his are, you know, one, one day he'll play 20 and the next day he might get 10 or 12. And, and, uh, that's just, you know, part of that's on Tibbs and just not being consistent with his rotations. But uh, it's, you know, it's a confidence thing. And um, obviously, Butler being out hurts the bench because then you got to take Belly, who is your second best option off the bench, scoring wise, and you got to put him in the starting lineup. And he's just not consistent enough. I'm, I'm a huge Bielitsa fan. Like, if I had to buy a Timberwolves jersey, I'd probably buy a Bielitsa jersey uh, just because, I mean, he's belly. And even though I don't think he'll be on the team next year because I think he might be playing himself to a better contract that the Wolves won't be able to afford. But, um, you know, you look at him and Tyus, and I think the biggest disappointment bench-wise has been Gorgie. I mean, com- last year compared to this year, it seems like night and day as far as what Jing was able to do last year and where, you know, he put up, you know, double-digit points a game and he'd rack up the double-doubles and he was playing more with Cat and they were kind of alternating as far as who is the four, who is the five. And Jing's, like, mid-range jumper was, uh, was pretty solid and really consistent, but... It just hasn't been that way this year because his aggressiveness isn't what it was before. And I think that's a confidence issue as far as he's just not getting the minutes he was and he's maybe not uh, comfortable with the role he's in this year compared to last year. So, you know, Gorgie, who still is the king of the shot fake, um, in my opinion, on that team, uh, he can, if he utilizes it, and is maybe more aggressive with his shot and, and looking for a shot, he can be a really legit scorer off the bench, but it's just not the case. And 
I think that all goes back to coaching. These guys' confidence is not what it has been. And that can be because they just aren't maybe getting the shots up that they need to get up, or it can be they aren't getting the minutes that they feel like they need to get. So uh, I don't know. It's I just a team going into the playoffs, there's just so many red flags that even if they make the playoffs, if they're the eight, seven or eight seed, there's no chance they advance. Maybe they get a game. Uh, but there's no chance they advance, so um, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I just don't want to see Houston. <laughs> We're so bad against Houston. That's, uh, it could be pretty brutal. Houston is the worst-case scenario just because they do so much of what the Timbers, Timberwolves do so poorly, which is shoot threes. And so the Timberwolves not only keeping pace but also defending that, it would just be it would be a slaughter. It would be a sweep well, for yeah, sure. Shoot, shoot threes, but in just – their pace. Like the thing that bothers me most with the Timberwolves is their pace most of the time. Like this team has so many, there's so many athletes, but they just don't, I don't think they utilize the, the skill set that a lot of these players have with the style that they play. There's too much, too much dribbling, not enough flow. You know, even if uh, it's not like a legit fast break, Get the rebound and push the ball up the floor uh, right away and then maybe get into your offense rather than get the rebound, look around a little bit, walk it up, and then wait till the shot clock rolls down under 10, and then you're scrambling. So, I mean, uh, whereas Houston, I mean, they get it and go. You know, Golden State, when they're at full strength, they get it and go. And uh, Portland does the same thing with their guards. So it's it's one of those things where, you have guys like Wiggins and Towns and, you know, and, and Teague who, uh, they're all athletic, but you're just not utilizing uh, them maybe to their, to their fullest potential. So, uh, I don't know. That and the end of shot clock or end of clock situations are the two biggest things that bother me uh, because – Wiggins or Teague was 40 feet away from the basket yesterday and waited until six seconds left in the, in the clock to, to activate. And then he ended up missing a layup. It's like, that was, wasn't, what's the point? So, well, I mean, we'll see. There's, there's good things the Wolves have done this year, but lately it's just been way too frustrating when you can just taste the playoffs and it feels like it's slipping away. No, it it definitely does at this point, and I, you know what? You just gotta find somebody who loves you like T loves to dribble, and then you should be set in <laughs> life. Uh, going back to your point about the bench quickly before we move on to some NBA news, would you blame Tibbs for the for not being more creative earlier in the season uh, as far as giving the bench more minutes? I mean, if you look at Tyus Jones and Bielitsa. They average 17 and 19 minutes per game, but that's only because both of them have had spurts where they're starting, uh, and then you have Jamal Crawford averaging just a shade over 20 minutes per game. Nobody else is really close to those kind of numbers off the bench. Uh, is it coaching that's a little bit at fault because you talked about confidence of these guys down and they're just not getting enough chance? Uh, maybe pushing pace is a little bit to blame for this too because they don't cr- – 
they don't really experiment with different lineups early in the season, so they don't have these sets where maybe they have a couple more guards out on the floor. I mean, Teague and Jones have played five games together and averaged 1.5 minutes per uh, per those five games together on the floor, so maybe they're just not being creative enough in their lineups. I mean, is this a coaching error, or is this just they're not very deep talent-wise on the on the bench? Well, I don't think they're very deep talent-wise, but I also think there's got to be something as far as coaching goes because I it just seems like the guys don't respond uh, as well to, to Tibbs as maybe they should. And, you know, a good coach is one you can get the most out of his guys no matter what kind of talent he has. You know, you can be a less talented team than the other team, but if all these guys are sold out and, uh, or, you know, sold out for the cause per se and, and on the system and they're buying into it, you know, you can have more success than a team that is just more talented. So, um, I just, yeah, I just don't think they, They've responded to Tibbs like maybe we expected them to. Um, but, you know, it's also, and this is, I think, something I didn't think about until I was reading some articles in the past two days, and I think it's a good point. Uh, Tibbs is also, like, the basketball ops guy. So he's respons- <laughs> not only responsible for coaching these guys, but he's putting this team together along with Scott Layden, obviously the GM, but... I mean, I just, you know, I liked, I, I love the ta- the Gibson acquisition. I'm a big Taj fan. Um, you know, the, the Crawford was a great get. Teague, they overpaid for him, but he's, you know, he's a, a, a suitable point guard. But uh, I just don't think Tibbs did a very good job building this team in depth. And you have to, you have to knock him on that uh, as a basketball ops guy. And then the players he did bring in and stuff, you knock him as a coach because he's maybe not getting the guys to respond like they should be. So we'll we'll see uh, we'll see what happens as far as you know what these guys decide to do in the last seven games because of the teams they play. And the fact that uh, four of their next seven are at home, there's no reason they shouldn't make the playoffs because they just need to win. Uh, but it's it's going to be up to them if they want to step up to the plate and uh, just show up night in and night out. You're going to learn a lot about this Timberwolves team over the next few games uh, and about the character and the, the what's happening in the locker room for this team over the next couple of weeks of basketball. Uh, also be monitoring the, the bench for this team closely. Uh, before we head out here, wanted to get to some NBA news just because the first round, the first overall pick, excuse me, Markel Foltz played yesterday. It was his first fifth game that he has participated in this season. Obviously, the problems with the shoulder, uh, the problems with fixing his shot, all have contributed to him sitting out a majority of this season. But the number one overall pick out of Washington was back in. He played 14 minutes against the Denver Nuggets. 76ers were helping the Timberwolves out a little bit by beating the Nuggets last night. And he put up 10 points, 8 assists. And I'm already seeing articles about how Fultz helps the depth for the t- for the 76ers and helps their their bench unit. 
is there some overreaction? I know that it's exciting to see him play, and I know he's the number one overall overall pick. But are you ready for the overreaction that's going to happen over the next couple of weeks here, Bishop? <laughs> no overreaction. That's good. Um, I, uh, you know, I watched. Um, I didn't watch the game, but I watched the highlights of it, and obviously they focused in on him quite a bit with with him being back and. I think I I think it's good. He adds another element. I mean, uh, you know, Ben Simmons obviously is the floor general for that team, and then you have T.J. McConnell, who is a point guard, but he plays off guard on that team because of the roles. And I think uh, Fultz, you know, he's a good addition. But yeah, I would I would say the the initial reaction was uh, kind of what I expected. I mean. People are happy to see him. He did shoot five of thirteen. I uh, airmailed his first one, and then he got uh, he got stuffed, and then he got stripped, and then looked like a monkey hanging on the rim, uh, trying not to fall on a guy. And um, you know, it probably couldn't have started any worse. But uh, you saw some flashes. But yeah, I mean, the guy's only played you know, a couple minutes this season, so let's just see. Let's see what he does, you know, with a couple of games under his belt. Let's see what he does as he continues to get worked into worked into the rotation and, um, you know, develop chemistry with these guys and things like that. And I think it'll be, I think it'll be good for the Sixers. And look out for the Sixers, man. I mean, they uh, they got some good pieces, and I think the East is really up for grabs this year. Uh, so I'm not saying the Sixers are going to win the East uh, because I think Boston and Toronto and uh, are, are better teams, but uh, I, I think the Sixers will make some noise and, and make people uh, pay attention to them, you know, in the next uh, couple weeks heading into the playoffs. But uh, yeah, Markel Fultz, I mean, he can stay healthy and uh, not look like a scared. Uh, scared puppy when anybody <laughs> asked him about his shoulder. Like, did you see that last night? He was awfully shy, and That's, I watched I watched like, a chunk of this him. game, and I saw him afterwards. But he 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 looked pretty sheepish. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like they're just and uh, you know I was watching ESPN this morning, and you know like he was just doing. I mean, the, the questions weren't out of bounds, like. Scott Van Pelt said that last night too. He goes, they weren't like offensive questions at all. They were just asking about his shoulder, and he just decided to not say anything and wipe his face multiple times until someone threw him a towel. But uh, I mean, the kid's nineteen. You know, it's I'm sure it's not easy trying to navigate how to handle media and stuff like that so who knows but uh, well i'm glad you bring it up though because the the situation around fultz has been a, a delicate one to navigate at best uh, with all the stuff off the court that's been going on uh with the fultz saga and so it, when he gets into it's not even maybe a, as much about on the court uh and we, there's plenty there to believe me but if you're in a playoff series and he he plays 12 minutes of the playoff series and he starts it out as poorly as 
he started against the Denver Nuggets, and people are are hammering with questions for a seven game series in the playoffs, and, and people are a little more upset about it because the the possessions mean so much more in the playoffs. How is he going to handle that spotlight, and how is that going to kind of mess with his head going forward and going into the off season? I don't know, but it's definitely something to pay attention to. Yeah, that's the whole thing about you know these these young kids coming into the league is you know there's all this on the court stuff obviously and you know, are you ready to play? Uh, can you handle the speed? Can you handle playing 82 games compared to 35 and uh, the travel and this and that? But a lot of it too is you're 19. 20 years old and you got to go in front of a bunch of cameras and stuff and can you handle that are you are you ready for that and that's why um you know some players are more media savvy i mean towns is a great example ever since he came in the league as a 19 year old he's been really great with the media um whereas andrew wiggins not so much but uh you know are these guys ready for for that part of being a professional basketball player. So um, that's always something that's interesting to pay attention to as well. He'll be somebody to watch, uh, especially fascinating guy coming into the playoffs last stretch. Uh, people always... Uh, not always, but I have lots of people telling me that the NBA regular season is dull or that the last couple of months of the season is dull. There's always storylines. There's always stuff to watch in the NBA. And the, how Fultz kind of enters the lineup and handles himself both on and off the court is one that I will be closely monitoring as we head into the playoffs, one of many things. Always fascinating stuff and always, always good to keep tuning into the NBA action. Uh, that's it for us. Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for making your debut today on the Locked On Wolves podcast. Really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. and It's fun to talk some Timberwolves basketball and uh, keep doing keep doing your thing. And hopefully we'll be able to talk playoffs in, in you know a week or two. But uh, let's just uh, take it one day at a time. <laughs> Take it one day at a time. Absolutely. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks are in town on Wednesday. We'll just take that game. We'll, we won't look towards the towards the playoffs quite yet. We'll just hopefully beat the Hawks on Wednesday. Mike Mascala coming back to Minnesota. <laughs> oh, jeez. If they lose this Oh, boy. All right. I'm not going to think about that. We're going to think about beating the Hawks. We're going to think about positive thoughts and, and beating the Atlanta Hawks. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure to check us both out on Twitter. Look for Matt Bishop and Colt Molesky on Twitter. And thank you for tuning in to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.